Hello, and welcome to Maverick Messages. My name is Erin. I'm a freshman at Providence Baptist College. If you are ready to be inspired and to change your life for the better, take a listen. Let's turn over to Genesis chapter number 37. Genesis 37. You know, it does set us up for this message. It does set us up for the message. Here's the title of the message. The circumstances. What are you doing under there? The circumstances, okay? So I just gave you some circumstances that were not too great uh, a couple of years ago on a particular night in my household, right? Those were not good circumstances. And uh, we get, we're going to have stuff happen to us in life that we call them circumstances because we don't really can attribute necessarily. Uh, some, sometimes things happen, it's our fault. And uh, a lot of times things happen, it's our fault. Very few times we actually admit it. Uh, but... Then there's things that are totally outside of our control, and we, we talk about, well, under the circumstances, you know, I'm doing okay. But the question is, for us today, what are we doing under the circumstances? What are we doing under the circumstances? What are you doing? You got any circumstances going on right now? I know it's not finals week, so everything's, everything's peaches and cream, right? No problem. You know, just got promotion at work. Money's piling in. That might be true in summer cases. I mean, man, they're paying a lot of money these places these days. So who's making more than? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, sometimes you ain't you ain't making that. Or sometimes a job just you find out you don't have one anymore, or you find out something happened back home and you're 500 miles away and you really just all you want to be is back home right now with your family. Um, or, or who knows? The list is endless in Bible college of what the circumstances. They could change every week. And so we got to remember, this isn't a, a crazy, you know, uh, message that just came to me in the middle of the night, you know, uh, from, from some angel. You know, it's just a pretty, pretty basic lessons here we can learn from the, from the Word of God from somebody who was under some circumstances but didn't stay under them. And he didn't, he didn't live under there. He got out. And we can get out, too, and follow his example. And so we'll look at some lessons from the life of Joseph and uh, in Genesis chapter 37. Let's pray. We'll get into the message this, this morning. Heavenly Father, we pray for your help. We pray for your guidance, God, as we preach through uh, the life of Joseph here in a brief overview, a brief nutshell. May some of these lessons, some things that Joseph did, may we remember them as well. Lord, I don't think there's anything that I'm going to preach that has never been heard before. But it's things we forget when we get under the circumstances. Life comes fast. It comes hard. And I'm sure in a room this size, with this, with this many college students, Lord, there's, there's a bunch of circumstances that, that are being dealt with right now. We're about to be dealt with. And um, to be honest, Lord, maybe outside of our control. Uh, but, God, there's also stuff that is in our control. Help us to parse which one is which and to put it through the filter of your word and to help us to come out on top. Because all the devil's trying to do through all these things in our life, Lord, he's trying to get us to quit. I pray you'd have the message be a help and a blessing to even just one student here tonight, today, in Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 37, look at verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren, they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. I know we read this because we read it so often. It's just, it's just another Bible story. We know the end from the beginning. But, man, try to put yourself in this. How horrible, how horrible these guys were. Man. And then it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 27. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. 
and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our for he is our brother in our flesh. Hey, this guy's our brother. We can't just kill him. Let's sell him as a slave. All right, let's be what are our brothers for? You know, we're not we're not that kind of brother that kills his brother, you know, like a Cain brother. Let's do the right thing, guys. Let's do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And his brethren were what? They were content. And then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen. They drew and lifted up Joseph. Now, can you see Joseph? Can you see him there? I mean, got to be afraid. Got to be afraid for his life. And then he overhears them talking about, man, let's not kill him with self. Man, he, and they're pulling him out of this pit and giving him to slaves. And these guys, he already, you know, he knew how they felt about him already. I don't think he... When he left home that day, he knew it was going to be the last time he saw his dad. You know, he obviously he loved his dad, and his dad loved him. We got that. And, and his younger brother, Benjamin, you know how he felt about him. That was the last time. He never got to say goodbye. He never got to, to, to you know, even let his dad know he was still alive. I think how awful that was for Joseph. And none of that his fault. I mean, we could put the, put the blame if we try, you know, well, he shouldn't have told his brother his dream, right? Guys, Joseph didn't deserve this. He didn't ask for this. He's just trying to do right. He was obeying his dad. That's why he went out there, right? Circumstances come at us. And they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And I was wondering, what did they buy with that money? You know, how, what is that split between them? What were there, 10 of them? So, so, you know, two pieces of silver each? I don't even know. I didn't do the, the research to figure out what that is like in today's dollars. What did they get with that? You know, every time they look at that, that's, <laughs> you know, my, you see later their dad for, for days without, you know, it didn't say how many days, many, many days their dad is grieving unto death. And it says his whole family, all his sons try to comfort him. These same guys that know the secret, trying to comfort dad. And at the same time, Whatever they, they bought with his money, they got that laying around. I mean, just how wicked can you be? And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And then you got the Midianites. Look at verse 36. The Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an offer, officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. So we know Joseph one day is going to become the second most powerful man in the world. And he's going to use that power to save his family from starvation and save really all that region but between there and where he is right now, there's, there's some obstacles in the way. And, and, and obviously him being sold as a slave is the first one that sets off that chain of events. Could, you, could we all agree Joseph had some circumstances come at him? They were pretty hard. And I, I don't want to generalize because there's very, very likely, and I'm sure there is, circumstances in this room that are extremely serious and extreme. But we could, as long as we can accept this, you know what? I know my situation is bad. And it doesn't make it any less bad, but there is somebody that's probably got it worse off than I do. I might not know who it is, and it might be hard to think of it. But a lot of our cases, and I'm going to say our case, because this is my case, probably almost all the time, it's, it's, it, Joseph's was way worse off than anything I've ever gone through. Okay? And I'm not going to say that's so the case of everybody in this room. A lot of us. And especially the, the things that get us overwhelmed, the circumstances that we get under, dead... Dead sure for me, most of the time, not even close. So Joseph here is like our benchmark. What does he do with these circumstances that are beyond his control? He didn't choose them. Now he's lost his family. He's lost his freedom. 
He's, he's got to do whatever, you know, there, there's a certain, when, when some things happen, you got control over the situation. At least you can rectify it. But, I mean, he has, he has very little control here. He's a slave, okay? He can't, even, he can't even go, you know, restart his life over. He's got to do whatever he's made to do. And so uh, what do we do here? It's a critical time for Joseph. When you find yourself under the circumstances, it's a very crucial time because what you do now uh, with what you can't control is about to define the rest of your life. And so Joseph right here is a critical time for him. He's trapped. He, doesn't, he, he didn't even have any, any responsibility in this. And uh, so verse uh, 1 of chapter 39 is where it brings us to here. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, and a pharaoh of, uh, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. That last sentence there, verse 2, we can see a lot about what Joseph did and how he responded because of that statement right there, that sentence. And so I want to look through there and get some lessons here of how Joseph responded in the circumstances. He didn't stay under him, but he rose above him. And the thing is, if we didn't have Jesus Christ, then we would be up against, we'd be in an uphill battle. But because of the word of God, some of you maybe still don't get it fully, that the, the, the power of the word of God. If you obey the word of God and you believe God by faith, it will transform everything about your life. Um, a lot of us in here are like me. We're Baptist brats, right? We kind of grew up around the whole thing, right? And we just, we take a lot of things for granted. I take a lot of things for granted. And sometimes you don't really get it, and you got to get that light bulb moment where you realize, no, the, the Bible is not just a, a good luck charm. If you actually search for the Bible principles to the problems you're having and do what the Bible says, you will come out ahead. You could bank on it. You could bank on it. And so... Because we have all that at our disposal, man, how much more than Joseph can we become or rise above our circumstances and live victorious? You know, the devil wants us living under there. That's why I say, what are you doing under your circumstances? What are you doing under there? Because when you're under circumstances, you will not be effective for God. Living in doubt, living in fear, living in anxiety, living in all these emotions and all these uh, syndromes and all these things because of circumstances that God can save you and bring you above. So how do we do it? Number one, don't waste time with self-pity. Don't waste time with self-pity. We don't see any record in here of Joseph wasting time feeling sorry for himself. Now, being a human, we know he's got to be fearful, got to be disappointed. Probably, you think, some anger at his brothers? I mean, we see how he got, he, he got past that, but initially, it'd be really tough to, to imagine. He had, no, he had none of that stuff going on, none of those emotions going on. He just was human. Betrayal, that's a rough one. But he put those feelings aside enough to be able to, to, do, to, to, to do what he needed to do. Um, I don't know who said it. I've heard it before. But the definition of self-pity is crying on the devil's shoulder. Think about that. Who are you really crying to when you're, when you're, when you're wallowing in self-pity? How bad is it for me? I deserve better than this. Man, this isn't fair. This isn't right. What are you accomplishing with that? I know it feels good. That's our flesh. That's our flesh wanting to wallow there in self-pity of how bad my situation is. How is that going to help you? What good is that going to do for you? Joseph didn't spend time there. He didn't spend time there. He had more important things to think about. So don't waste time with self-pity. You need to be careful about that. If you don't get past number one, 
you're going to have a hard time getting to number two. Number two, control what you can control and accept what you cannot control. So here's what separates Joseph from, from a, lot of, a lot of people. He looked at a situation. He sees there's some things I can't control. There's some things I can't control. Hey, what, what, what are you doing right now, Joseph? Where are you? I'm, I'm in Egypt. Can't control it. Can't control it. Uh, I'm a slave. Got sold slavery. Not my choice. Can't do anything about it right now. So I can sit here while with self-pity, uh, or I can accept that there are some things that are outside my control. But you know what? When, if, I can, if I can figure out what can I control and what can I not control, then I can focus on the things that I can't control. You know what we do? We end up focusing on the things we can't control and just complaining, feeling sorry for ourselves, griping about it. Man, getting in this mood, this funky spirit, all the things we have, we have no control over. And you know what robs us of? All these things that we can control. And we just say, oh, that's not going to make a difference. Oh, that's not going to matter. Oh, but, oh, that's the only thing you can actually control. So, so figure it out. What can you control? What can you not control? Man, my grades just horrible. As it is. School's tough. Well, can you, you can study. Did you study for your midterm? You just want to complain about how, you know, how t hard the teacher is. <laughs> how, how much time did you actually study? Because, you know, there's things we can't control. We can't control the teacher. Well, I mean, some teachers you can buy them off with donuts. I may or may not be one of those, but you wouldn't know unless you actually brought me some donuts. <laughs> can't control other people. Can't control where I'm at. Can't control my parents. Can't control my siblings. Man, my sibling, I can't believe they just let, they, they, they ran away from home. They, they left church. They, yeah. What are you going to do about it? Well, you can't control them. But there are some things you can't control. There are some things you can't. So what do you do with the, the stuff you can't control? You put it in God's hands. So you say, you know what? And some, sometimes we need to write down a list even. Here's the things I can't control. All right, God, you got this one which means I'm, I'm done thinking about this. I'm done worrying about this. God, you got this one. Can't, I can't do nothing about that. I really, I'm thinking about that all the time. But really, to be honest, God, there's nothing I can do. You got this one. You got this one. Hey, give it to God. But then the stuff we can control. Now, okay, all right, God, I need your help with this because this is the stuff I'm going to do. And we stop worrying about all this. You know, we, we spend so much time worrying. We don't even give it to God. We're not even doing the things we can't control. And that's what we're stuck under the circumstances. So control what you can't control, accept what you cannot control. So Joseph, once he figured out what he can control, you know what he did? Number three, roll up your sleeves and get to work. Roll up your sleeves and get to work. You know what? If God's allowed this for this time in my life, I'm going to make the best of it. You know what? I'm a slave. You know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be the best slave in the whole country of Egypt. I'm going to be the hardest working slave. I'm going to be the most joyful slave there is. Joseph, you're a slave. Yeah, I'm going to be the best one. You say, I can relate. I'm, I'm a Bible college student. <laughs> well, since you're a Bible college student, why don't you be the best Bible college student there is? And I'm a freshman. I can't wait till I'm a senior. Can't control it. Well, you can. I mean, it's going to take four years. I mean, you could always stay a freshman. But you know what? Why don't you be the best freshman you could be? What can you control? Now you roll up your sleeves and get to work. This is where character kicks in. 
because we don't feel like doing it. We feel like complaining about the things we can't control, but you got to identify what you can control. He rolled up his sleeves. He got to work being the hardest working slave, and he put his mind and his heart into it. Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule. Now, Joseph didn't have that verse to bank on, but it played out in his life. As a diligent slave, he ended up becoming a ruler. A slothful shall be under tribute. Man, you want God to bless your situation? You want God to change that around? Get to work. Get to work on what you can't control. Proverbs 22, 29. See us a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Something about diligence, even in the situation you're at, we want to throw all the blame and cast it all on our circumstances and where we're at, we can't help it. But if you work hard where you're at, what you're doing, where God's allowed in your life at this point in time, you're faithful, you have character to stick it out. You just see God is going to do a work through you and with you. Laziness just compounds all the problems we're facing. And it's, it's a vicious cycle because we don't, man, we've all been there, we're human. And we get stuck in this cycle of just being lazy, which makes everything compound more, which makes it more hopeless, which means I just don't want to do anything. That's why Bible students drop out of college. Just they had circumstances coming up, and they didn't want to work hard at what they could control. You got to work your way out of it. And I, rem I remember when I was when I was a teenager, there was this uh, uh, there was a guy that uh, that worked on staff here, and uh, his name was Ryan, and he and, and we, he was a geek, you know. So he kind of taught me in the geek ways, and so we were really close. But I remember this one statement he would have, and we just thought it was funny, you know, but. Uh, I think it's, you know, he had a grandfather or somebody that, that told him this or whatever. Whatever you are, be a good one. And we would laugh about that because we're like, we don't even, you know, I don't even know what I am, but I'm, at least I'm a good one, you know. Um, so it would be kind of like a, like, a, like, a, like a diss almost, you know, like I don't know what you are, but just be a good one or whatever you are, you know. But it's a good statement. Whatever you are, be a good one. What are you? What are you doing right now? Do it to the best of your ability. Whatsoever that hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Ecclesiastes 9.10. And Joseph decided he's going to take ownership. He believed God's in control and that God's going to bless his diligence, and God did. So what he could control, he did. What he couldn't control, he accepted as the will of God, put it in God's hands. And number four, God rewarded his hard work and his positive attitude. Man, this isn't just a wishful thinking. This is, this is banking on the principles of God and realizing, identifying that God wants me to be working hard at something. And since I can't work hard at this because that's out of my control, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm not going to wait till I'm in the ministry. I'm not going to wait till I have a title. I'm not going to wait till X, Y, or Z. I'm not going to wait till I'm married. I'm not going to wait till this or that before I can live for God, before I can work hard, before I can see God do some things in my life. And, you know, it'd be really nice. If, uh, you know, it'd be easier to serve God if I had X, Y, and Z and everything all lined up. But since I don't and that's out of my control, let me just serve God with what I have right now. And I, I'd like to be a bus captain. That'd be amazing. But let me just be the bus, work, best bus worker I can be. Maybe God will give that to me one day if he, if he sees fit. And I'd love to be a pastor one day. That would be amazing. How about let me just be the hardest working college student that I can right now, the hardest working staff member that I can right now. See what God will do with that. So God rewarded his hard work and positive attitude. Look at Genesis 39, verse number 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. 
and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And this is getting really cool for Joseph now. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. This guy didn't even know what he had. Because he didn't even care. He didn't even take inventory. He didn't even take count. He just said, ah, Joseph's taking. As long as Joseph's in control, I don't even worry about it. Except for, you know, literally what he had to pick up and put in his mouth. That's all he knew. Hey, I got this bread. I don't know what else I have. Go ask Joseph. He's in charge. Right? Don't you see that? So this is what's going on here? Why? Because God is blessing Joseph so much. And because Joseph had this work ethic and he had this diligence and he was working on things he could control, even circumstance, you've got to know Potiphar figured out the story of how he came to be sold as a slave at some point. I'm sure most slaves, they don't get the details. But I mean, after some time, if this guy becomes, you know, this trustworthy, at some point they had a conversation, a dialogue. Potiphar knew. He knew what had happened to him. And he sees that he's still living the way he lives and has a spirit that he has. And so he just continues this great cycle of and trusting him with more. And Joseph, because he worked and diligent in what he could control, now he has access to more resources, and now God's blessing him. What did Potiphar see in Joseph? Did he see self-pity? Did he see a bad attitude? Did he see laziness? Dishonesty? None of these things. We see that Potiphar trusted him and saw no such things in his life. What did Potiphar see? We saw Joseph's relationship with God. The Bible says Potiphar noticed that his, the Lord was with him. Joseph wasn't ashamed of his godly heritage. He, he spoke of God. He had to for Potiphar to know that the Lord was with him. Which also tells us that Potiphar heard Joseph giving credit to God for all these blessings. He said, he said the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house. Joseph was quick to give God the credit. See, all this stuff is happening. And Joseph saying, oh, it's the Lord's blessing. No, oh, the Lord is blessing this. And Joseph has given all that praise and honor back to, back to God. Potiphar is seeing this. Potiphar saw that he could trust Joseph with every single thing that he had. I'm sure there were some tests that he did along the way, you know, leave some things out or put, put some situation where Joseph didn't know he was being watched, right, and see if Joseph is honest. And after that happens so many times, you know, he starts to trust Joseph with more and more stuff, and he saw he could trust Joseph with everything he, he had. He, he saw a man who could successfully work with people. The Bible uses the phrase goodly person and well-favored. Man, he, he not only could get the job done, but he wasn't running over people in the process. Man, he was, he was, he was working well with all the other people in the household. So what did, what did Potiphar see? He saw all these things in Joseph, a man who was in some vicious circumstances, a man that had everything that you can imagine thrown at him. None of his doing. Suddenly, no warning, no preparation. Were there initial feelings that of these negative things we talk about? Oh, I'm, it had to be. It's just human. Anger, disappointment, rejection, betrayal, fear, all that stuff. But he didn't stay under there. What do people see in you? What do people see in me? When circumstances come piling our way. We want to talk about how we're a Christian, talk about faith, sing all the songs. But really, when it comes down to it, let's see how we do when the circumstances come piling toward us. We're not victims. We're not, you know, defeated. We're not, we've got to learn how to cope with life. No, the Bible talks about being overcomers. 
No, there's a lot of things, yes, they come because of our own doings, our own faults. But the same thing is true. Once you've got to deal with the circumstances, you've, you've gotten, you know, you've took the blame for it and you've taken ownership, there's some things you can control and there's some things you can't control. Sometimes you can't control the side effects of bad decisions. They're just gonna, it's just gonna kind of play out. Okay, I can't control this stuff here, but what can I control? What can I control? Where I'm at right now, what I'm doing. Sometimes I can control more than what I really actually think about because I'm too busy thinking about all the stuff I can't. What do people see in you when you run in circumstances you can't control? Simple message, but some lessons from the life of Joseph that I hope will challenge us to understand when we're in circumstances that come hard and fast that we will put those in God's hands where we can and where we can't, where we can't control and then take ownership and get to work on the stuff we can't control. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, Lord, I hope you spoke to the heart of Thank you for joining today's Maverick Message. We hope that you found this to be inspiring and life-changing. Thank you for listening. God bless.